0: Turn with me this morning, please, to uh, John chapter 11 in your Bibles, the New Testament. John chapter 11, we're going to break into the chapter here to verse 45. Uh, The Lord Jesus with his disciples have returned to Bethany. Lazarus has been raised from the dead. Jesus commands here in verse 44 that they would lose him and let him go. And then in verse 45 of John 11, it says, Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them named Caiaphas being the high priest that same year said unto them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation. And not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. And then from that day forth they took counsel together for to put Jesus to death. Let's bow again in a word of prayer, please. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, that we have the freedom today to to meet together, to worship you and to praise you. And we realize, Lord, we're living in extremely uh, challenging and uh, confusing uh, and strange days. Uh, But through it all, Lord, we know that our God is on the throne. And Father, so we pray this morning that you'll come very near to us and bless your word to our hearts this morning. Um, We pray, Lord, that um, you will give us, Lord, today as God's people, guts and bravery and boldness to face the challenges that we might come across even in the incoming week. Give us, Lord, the, the boldness of Joseph of Arimathea when he went to claim the body of the Lord Jesus from Pilate. And that took guts. He wasn't ashamed to be associated with Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we pray that uh, we will not be ashamed to be associated with Jesus Christ. But, Lord, we pray that you will speak to us this morning from your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Much of uh, John chapter 11 is taken up with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Lazarus. Now, we don't know if Lazarus died of some sort of flu or virus or bug, but he did die. This much is clear. This much we can be sure of this morning. We know this because when the disciples thought that he was just sleeping, Jesus told them plainly here in the verse 14 of the chapter, No, Lazarus is dead. There was no doubt. There was no confusion. You see, Jesus was a plain talker, much like John the Baptist, who was a plain talker. There was no wishy-washy messages. There was no watered-down gospel with them. However, we all know the problem with uh, plain talkers is that they often get into trouble with the world. There is a cost today with being a truth-teller. John the Baptist was a truth-teller. He was beheaded. The Lord Jesus Christ was crucified. Stephen was stoned. You go on the radio today and tell the truth about sodomy and you'll be called homophobic. You go onto the streets today, tell the truth about abortion and you'll be arrested. A street preacher in Waxford recently was jailed and one of his crimes was that he dared express anti-abortion views. You see, friends, that's where we are in Ireland today. To, to say that it is wrong to kill children will get you thrown into prison. So Jesus announces here that he's going to see Lazarus, who by now was dead. The Jews had tried to kill Jesus On his previous visits, and Thomas says here in verse 16, Sure we'll all go with him, that we'll all die. But did they die with him? Well no, because we know the story. In the Garden of Gethsemane, they ran away. They ran away. Big difference, you see, in saying and doing. John Calvin once said, faith alone saves, but a faith that saves is never alone. Faith without works is dead. There are times, of course, when we must run away. There are times when it is essential to run away, just like Joseph when he ran away from Potiphar's wife. And friend, when that time comes, you must run for your life, even if all hell is against you. Initially, it meant prison for Joseph, but then he became the prime minister and saved his family from starvation. Doing the right thing might mean short-term pain, but God will bless your decision with long-term gain. Maybe you're here this morning and you're in the valley of decision. Maybe this week you have a choice to make. Well, friend, I would encourage you to just do the right thing. The psalmist says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Doing the right thing with regards to your salvation might mean persecution in this life, but the Lord promises paradise in the life to come. Short-term pain will be replaced with long-term gain. So friends, just do the right thing. When Jesus here arrives in Bethany, he raises Lazarus, who by now was already four days in the grave. Some Jews believed that the soul hovered near the body for three days, hoping to re-inhabit that body. But by the fourth day, they believed the soul just gave up, abandoned all hope and left. And, you know, maybe perhaps Jesus waited until the fourth day so that no one would be in absolutely any doubt that he alone was the resurrection and the life and that those who believe in him, though they were dead, yet shall they live. And in these verses we see as a result of this miracle, a panic develops within the religious leadership. And first of all, we see from the verses that we've read together the people's choice here, the people's choice. As with previous miracles, the people were divided in their opinions. Verse 45, we see many of the Jews that followed Mary out of the house when she went to meet Jesus, they believed on him when they saw that Lazarus was alive. They had been obeying the command to love their neighbors, comforting Mary and Martha in their grief, and as a result, they were in the right place at the right time to witness this miracle. You see, if you obey the word, you will receive a blessing. However, verse 46, some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and they told them what Jesus had done. And you can be absolutely sure they didn't go to witness to the Pharisees. They didn't go to, with the purpose of persuading the religious leaders to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. No, these people were informers. They had been in Mary's house. They had attended the week. They had helped with the catering. They had pretended to be that caring, loving neighbor, but they ended up stabbing the family in the back and they couldn't wait to carry stories to the Pharisees. You see, we must be careful who we trust, especially in the days that we're living in. A minister recently stood outside a church in Craigavon with his camera either videoing or photographing the people coming out of the church with the purpose of informing that the people were not obeying or complying with the rules. Our home secretary is encouraging your neighbors to inform on you if you would dare have your elderly parents around to your house. Even the people you love, the people you have been a good neighbor to, will turn their backs on you. I chatting to a man back in August who used to be on the UDR. He told me that the young lad that he used to give a lift to to the Northwest races on the back of his motorbike He came back a number of years later and tried to shoot him twice. Back in 1989, a 20 year old man in Drumquin was killed when a bomb that he was seeking to place under a police officer's car blew up prematurely. He was a workmate of the policeman. He had helped to build his house, he had even shared his lunchbox. You see, sometimes it's not our enemies that will give us the most trouble. So we need to be aware of the informers, the busybodies, the revilers, the slanderers, and the gossips. Because if they gossip to you, they will gossip about you. Today, the opposite seems to be the case. Today, some believe in Jesus, but most do not. Some here were believing in Jesus, and some were believing in the religious leaders. They were so near the kingdom, but we have no evidence that they ever believed. You see, you can be within touching distance all your life of the kingdom of God, sitting under the gospel, hearing the appeals, even married to a Christian, almost persuaded, almost but lost. These Jews couldn't break away from the shackles of religion, even after they witnessed the Son of God do what he does best, which is make dead men live. People think because of COVID, sinners' hearts will be softened. Your know, friend is a delusion. You just have to spend some time in the streets to realise it's a delusion. You see, diseases won't do, and miracles won't do, but only the grace of God and hearts can do. What was the response from heaven to the prayers of the rich man who was burning in the flames in hell? Well, Jesus tells us. He says, "If they hear not Moses and the prophets, in other words, if they don't listen to God or." Read God's word, the Bible, well, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. These Jews could have been made alive that day as well. But unfortunately, they went their own way to the Pharisees. And their way was to trust in their religious leaders. The Pope now supports Sodomy. That's what happens when you put your trust in religious leaders. They let you down. Proverbs says, There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. Friend, if your way to heaven is to run from Jesus to your religion, then it will end in death. There is only one way to heaven, and there's only one way to the Father. Jesus is the way. We see the people's choice, but we also see the priests and the Pharisees' counsel. It seems that an emergency council meeting has been called here, likely in the palace of the high priest. The council is made up here by the Sanhedrin. It was comprised of the high priest Caiaphas, of the chief priests who were the Sadducees, and of the Pharisees. Normally, these two factions, they hated each other, but they could always come together to fight a common enemy, and today the enemy is Christ. With the exception of one or two, this lot were a nest of vipers on more than one occasion the Lord had said so. But by their own admission, they didn't know what to do with Jesus. They tried to trap him with tricky questions in the past, but they had always, or Jesus had always given the perfect answer, and eventually they just give up, up asking questions. Verse 47 says, they say, what do we? What do we do? What are we going to do? You see, they didn't know what to do. I hope everyone here this morning knows what they must do with the Lord Jesus Christ. You must come to him. Call upon him. Repent towards him. Trust in him. Be saved by him. What do we do, they say? I would say that's a question that has been asked more than once by ministers in the government in recent months. They've went from saying that there is no evidence that a mask will work to saying now that you must wear a mask in order to save a life. Of course, this is coming from a UK government that kills 200,000 children every year in the womb. And now they say that we must wear a mask to save a life. I mean, who are they trying to kid? They're not interested in saving lives at all total confusion now in the United Kingdom. Wales is in total lockdown. Scotland has five tiers of lockdown. England has three tiers of lockdown and Northern Ireland, well who knows, it changes every day. All parts of the British Isles are doing their own thing. Here in Northern Ireland we can't agree on whether to allow football supporters into a match or to kick them out of a match. In London it appears Covid can tell the time. Which is why everyone is put, it, or is put out of the pubs and restaurants at 10 o'clock. Forcing everyone onto the trains and into the streets and buses and taxis all at the one time. In Ireland, it seems now that COVID is so intelligent, it can even tell if you exercise more than 5k away from your house. And you'll be fined 500 euro if you do. Eat out to help out. Pack the restaurants and a month later they shut the restaurants down. Destroying jobs, racking businesses, which is of the devil, by the way. A brother and a friend recently preached a 15-minute message on Deuteronomy 24, verse 6. It says, No man shall take the nether or the upper millstone to pledge, for he taketh a man's life to pledge. In other words, do not take a man's millstones as security for a debt, because that would be like taking a man's livelihood as security. People are demanding the right to work. Protesters are saying, let us work. But the government won't let them work. So even though you've spent thousands of pounds to make your premises safe, if you open your restaurant or coffee shop or barber shop to work or to provide work, you'll be fine. A millstone in Bible times was essential to the survival of a family. It was used to grind down grain to make flour then to make bread. Of course, this law back in Deuteronomy, it was set in place in a day when sins of adultery and homosexuality and bestiality and blasphemy were all punishable by death. And yet God is saying that no matter what the servant is guilty of, no matter what he owes or what he has done, you will not take away his ability to feed his family. The government is shutting down businesses, removing the right to provide for your family. People say, oh, but the government steps in to compensate businesses. But you know, friend, it is not the government's responsibility to provide for anyone. That is the individual's responsibility. And the Bible says, if you don't, you're worse than an unbeliever. As a result of handouts, we now have a generation that expects the government to serve them. And when you become more reliant on the government to provide your next meal, you obviously become more obedient, much more easier to control. Because you won't want to bite the hand that feeds you. And maybe that's just what this is all about. Control. Because we all know what's coming. The book of Revelation tells us what's coming. The government has seized thousands of millstones in the the past couple of weeks. Even if there is financial support, they have reduced people's incomes. And the only incomes that will never be reduced, by the way, is the incomes of the politicians. So we're not all in this together at all. Proverbs says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. When are we ever going to learn this most basic of biblical principles? And if Americans are foolish enough to elect Biden, who is so wicked by the way he has even been refused communion in the Catholic Church, then they will mourn as well. In fact, the whole world will mourn because it seems that Trump is the only man standing in the way of the globalists in the new world order. That's why he is hated so much and that's why they, they want him out of the way. We need to pray for Trump. We need to pray for Brother Vice President Mike Pence. Pray for Trump's salvation. Pray for Trump's re-election. Pray that he loads his Supreme Court with conservative judges that we'll, he'll be able to finally bring the abortion, the Holocaust of abortion, in America, to an end. In Bible times, leprosy was also a contagious disease, but what they did was they isolated the sick. They did not remove employment from the healthy. What do we, indeed? Well, with all the Christians that we have in Stormont, I'm still waiting for one of them to suggest a day of prayer. If this virus is as deadly as they say it is, Why are they not calling on the great physician to touch the nation? This virus will only disappear, of course, when God says it's time for it to go, when it has fulfilled its purpose. You see, God is still sovereign. God is still on his throne. He holds the reins of the devil this morning. He holds the reins of COVID as well. Book of Amos 3 and 6 says, Shall there be evil in a city, and the Lord hath not done it. God is in charge. God has allowed all of this to happen. At the start of COVID, we all assumed a huge death toll, but none of us foreseen the needless devastation, devastating effect on the economy caused by politicians that simply do not know what they are doing. Oh, they say they know they're doing what they know what they're doing, but we know they don't. They're starting now to roll out the the vaccine in China. But what the government here will not tell you is this. Is it, it is that COVID vaccines are being developed with the cells from aborted children. There's a real danger that COVID vaccines will become compulsory. But obviously, in that form, the vaccine is something that no Christian can ever take. But I wonder, friend, are you prepared to pay the cost? If it means that you'll be demonized, vilified, threatened, fired, arrested, and jailed, will you pay the cost? When when they take away your right to travel on public transport, visit another country, apply for a government job, enter a shopping centre, meet in a church, educate your children, go to university, will you pay the cost? Oh, they'll tell you that you're putting lives at risk by not taking the vaccine, just as they do right now if you refuse to wear a mask. If you're ready to pay the cost, then Jesus has a word of encouragement for his people this morning. Rejoice, be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. If God be for us, who can be against us? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The psalmist says, Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee. I believe the world has been prepared for the mark of the beast. If the vaccine isn't the mark, If you take the vaccine, you'll take the mark. You know, fear of the government has forced people now into wearing masks. There's very few people who wore masks until the government threatened to punish us. Fact is, a lot of people today don't fear COVID. They just fear the government. Fear of the government will mean that you will take the vaccine. Fear of the government will mean that you'll take the mark because you'll be beheaded if you don't. I wonder, will you pay the cost? I thank the Lord that as a Christian this morning, I have no need to fear. I'm ready to go. And with God's grace, I will carry my cross. I will pay the cost. But I wonder, friend, are you ready to go this morning? Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? You know, the more the more you have in this world, the more you'll lose when that time does come. So make sure... You're building up your treasure in heaven and not on earth. The religious leaders in this council, they were not prepared to pay the cost to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, they feared what the Roman government would do. They were not seeking after truth. They were seeking to protect their own selfish interests. They thought that if they left Christ alone, if they ignored him, then all men would trust in him. All men would follow him and proclaim him as their leader and their king. The Romans then would hear of it. They would consider it a rebellion against their authority. They would step in and take away everything that was so precious and important to them. The city would be burnt. The temple would be destroyed. And the Jews would be taken away like the Babylonians did centuries before. But you know, friend, wouldn't it be wonderful... If all men did believe in Jesus Christ, wouldn't that be revival? And that's what we need today. That's what God's people pray for here on a Monday and Wednesday and Friday night. That's what we need. But as we see here, not all religious leaders want revival. That's the truth. So mission hall in Fermanagh, and they were having a, Series of gospel meetings, and they approached the local Church of Ireland minister. They asked him, would you announce our meetings? Oh, I can't do that, he said. My people go to your meetings and get saved, they'll leave my church. And you see, that's what's happening here. If people believe in Christ, they'll leave their dead religion, and the chief priests and the Pharisees will be out of work. They certainly admitted that he was a miracle worker. Oh, they, they heard the stories. They, they heard how he cure, cured the, the dead, the deaf, the dumb, the demonic, the bleeding, and the blind. They heard all of that. There was nothing that this man could not do. And the truth is, my friend, there is nothing that Jesus Christ cannot do. Not only could he raise the dead, he was raised from the dead. Every other religious liar is dead, but Jesus Christ is alive. He is a miracle worker. Even his enemies had to admit it. And whatever your need is today, whatever your prayer is today, he can meet that need. He can answer that prayer. Ask, it shall be given you. Seek, it ye shall find. Knock, it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. He that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. He can heal that sickness. He can open that door. He can restore that marriage. He can save that soul. They admitted he was a miracle worker, but they wanted absolutely nothing to do with him. They wanted him out of the way and they would not pay the cost. Believer, sinners can see the miracle in your life. It is evident every day. But if they want nothing to do with Jesus Christ, if they will not pay the cost of discipleship, do not despair. There is still one thing you can do for them. When the disciples couldn't cast the demon out of the boy, that demon was so wicked often threw the wee boy into the fire. The disciples came to the Lord Jesus. What did Jesus say? He he said, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Desperate times calls for desperate measures. A determined enemy can only be defeated by determined prayers. God can see our hearts, but fasting is an outward indication of our inward sincerity. Our hunger reminds us to keep going, to keep pressing on, to cleave to God until he gives us what is according to his will. The fear is evident in the council meeting. If they don't do anything about this man, Jesus, they see here an uprising and a a fighting back against Rome. Of course, even though Jesus never was a threat to Rome, he encouraged the people to pay their taxes. His kingdom was not of this world and Even Pilate found in him no fault at all. You see, it was the religious leaders who found fault in him. Jesus was a threat to them. He challenged their authority. He was going to change everything. They didn't want that. They were happy with the way things were. They didn't want him rocking the boat. They had their jobs, their income, their importance. They wanted Jesus out of the way so they could get back to just to the way things were. That's what they wanted. And you know, friend, that spirit is now in the church today. Thank God for the leadership here at the Lifeboat and in other places, but elsewhere it is in short supply. Many, even in evangelical churches today, will not put their heads above the parapet. Fear of losing their charity status and their big wages and their manses and their allowances and their cars and their importance. And they muzzle their congregations and they tell them that they must not worship God. You must not praise the one who shed his blood and died for you. How did we get here so soon? God's people need to hear the truth. And you'll not get it from CNN or the BBC. 50,000 anti-lockdown supporters yesterday in London. Did you hear about it on the news? You'll not get the truth on the television. You'll not get the truth from the World Health Organization or from Bill Gates or George Soros, but you'll get it from the pulpit, and you'll get it from God's Word. So we see the people's choice, the Pharisees' counsel, and thirdly, the prophecy here of Caiaphas. Caiaphas became high priest in AD 18. He remained in that post until AD 36, when along with Pilate were both removed by the Romans. After watching the panic and listening to the debate going on, Caiaphas now steps in. You see, he's concerned that things aren't going the way he wants them to go. He's concerned that the council is weak. Perhaps men like Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they're influencing the proceedings here. Maybe they're speaking up for Christ, no doubt trying to do their best for him. Maybe others in the council are suggesting, sure, why don't we give... Give Christ a good hiding. Warn him never to preach again. Send him out into the wilderness. But Caiaphas here, he wants him dead. He wants him dead. He says here, you know nothing at all. Verse 49. You know nothing at all. Again, much like many in government today who know nothing at all. Telling us now that you're allowed no more than 25 at a wedding or a funeral, but they can go to Funeral of over a thousand. I hope, friend, you're not hanging on every word coming out of Stormont. I hope you're not trusting in the politicians. If ever there was a time to trust in the promises of God, it is in these very last days. Psalmist says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. Unknown here to wicked Caiaphas, he was about to preach the truth from God's word. He says here, verse 50, It is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. Of course, he only meant that warning or beating Jesus would not be enough. It would be necessary that Jesus be executed in order to spare their positions and to save the nation. To him, either Jesus died at Jewish hands or the Jews all died at Roman hands. As far as Caiaphas was concerned, it would be better that Jesus should die to save the nation from further trouble, then the nation be brought into trouble because of Jesus. Christ's death would be a public benefit. And as high priest that year, he is the boss, and he has declared this is the way it's going to be. He thought with Jesus out of the way, any possible revolution would be nipped in the bud, people would go home, enjoy the rest of their lives, they would forget that Jesus ever existed, and everything would be back to normal But oh, how wrong he was. Jesus changed the world. But that which is morally wrong can never be politically correct. And we must never do evil that good may come. Of course, Caiaphas never pretended it would be lawful. He just said it would be expedient or convenient. But God can employ even a wicked man like Caiaphas to declare prophetic truth. God can use the wicked as an instrument for good. The wicked are already condemned. The wicked are already on the side that is lost. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh at their pathetic efforts to disrupt God's perfect plans. Child of God, I wonder are you under attack by the wicked who are foolish enough to, be allow, to allow themselves to be used by the devil and his demons. You see, the wicked are to be pitied Not to be feared. When they pick a fight with the child of God, do they really think that our Heavenly Father will not come to our rescue? Of course he will, every single time. God will not permit his anointed to be touched. Isaiah says, I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake, and no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Caiaphas was foolish enough to be used by the devil, but he unwittingly used sacrificial substitutionary language and prophesied the death of Christ for sinners who gave himself a ransom for all. Paul says he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Caiaphas did not realize the implications of what he spoke. While he uttered blasphemy against the Lord, God turned it all around. God turned his statement into truth. The responsibility of the wicked, meaning of his words, belonged to Caiaphas, but God's providence directed the choice of words so as to express the heart of God's glorious plan of salvation. God used wicked Caiaphas to prophesy the truth and to anticipate the mission to the Gentiles. John added his own inspired explanation here in verse 52. And as a result of Christ's sacrificial death and resurrection, all men would be drawn unto him, and both Jew and Gentile would be gathered together into one family, now called the church. The council, blinded by the God of this world, continued on in this path of madness. They crucified their Messiah, but the very thing that they feared the most, the thing that they desperately tried to avoid the most, it came to pass anyway. A few years later in AD 70, the Roman army under Titus did come. They besieged and conquered and destroyed Jerusalem. They burned the temple, thousands lay dead, and they carried the whole nation into captivity. In fact, it's only been in the last 100 years that the Jewish people have began to return to Israel in preparation for the Lord's second coming. Listen to this. Way back in 1882, there was only 24,000 Jews living in Israel. 24,000. 1948, a few years after the Second World War, that had risen to 717,000. In 1970... There was just over two and a half million Jews living in Israel. And today, there's almost seven million. We are in the end game, folks. And what has been happening, what we've experienced in the last ten months around this world, it must clearly teach us that. What was prophesied centuries ago, what has been preached on by men like Wesley and Whitfield and Moody and Spurgeon, we are living today. So we need to be sober. Be vigilant. Be alert. Educate yourself from the truth. The truth will set you free. It is time to seek the Lord. Whether you're saved or lost this morning, now is the time you must seek the Lord. You see, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Therefore, be ye also ready. For in such an hour as ye think not, the son of man cometh. And if he comes tonight, will you be ready to go? Friend, call upon his name. Repent and believe, trust in him. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.